podcast brought to you by Read More Media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Thank You for Asking. I'm so excited to be back with you all for another week of just me. This episode started out as something totally different. I've been researching and outlining for an episode all about procrastination because it's something that I have been struggling with a lot lately and I wanted to know if I was the only one or if this is something that given the pandemic and the way that things have changed in the ways and places that we've worked, other people are feeling the same procrastination tendencies. But then I posted this reel and it was a reel with this trending sound Let people think you're cringe. Want to start a makeup YouTube channel? Do it. Want to start posting your workouts on TikTok? Do it. Want to post a thirst trap or start a podcast? Do it. Because it's scary to be judged by like your grandma or your parents or people from your hometown, whoever. It's even scarier to get to the end of your life and realize you let people rob you of the life experiences you were supposed to have. So the real was basically encouraging people, I think particularly women, but everyone, to post what they want to post and go after what they want to go after, regardless of whether or not they thought that other people would find it cringy. That's something that we see all the time. You know, content that women enjoy, that women create and love is definitely viewed as frivolous and cringe and embarrassing, even though it's just fun most of the time and something that we legitimately enjoy, something that we've made into a multi-billion dollar industry, but that's neither here nor there. But The responses I got to that reel completely floored me. If you read the comments of that reel, and we'll link it in the show notes, a lot of the comments were talking about how people had so many things that they desired to do, but weren't doing because they felt like they were cringy, like starting a bookstagram account or launching a YouTube channel, launching businesses, actually calling themselves what they do, like they've been freelancing or writing or doing certain crafts for a long time, but hadn't really included that as a part of their identity because they felt like it was being fake. And all of this led to about 15 DMs from a bunch of people, most of whom identify as women, telling me that they had not done things that they thought people might view as cringy, not just because of how they would be perceived, but because they felt like such an imposter in the things that they were doing. So I decided to pivot this episode and really just dig into the imposter syndrome of it all because this is something that we hear about all the time. It's honestly a little bit problematic in terms of a diagnosis. It doesn't take into account other factors, but I really want this episode to be a reminder that one, you're not the only person who feels this way, and two, you're not an imposter. Okay, we're going to kick it off with a definition because you know I love a definition and words do mean things. So an imposter is a person who pretends to be someone else in order to deceive others, especially for fraudulent gain, aka an imposter is a scammer. So unless you are out here consciously scamming people, you should know right off the bat that you are not an imposter. (laughs) Imposter syndrome is defined as doubting your ability and feeling like a fraud at work. Specifically, the diagnosis is often given to women. Like I said, there are a lot of problems with it as a diagnosis as well, because it doesn't take into context certain systemic and societal factors. But the concept of imposter syndrome was developed in the 70s in a study. And of course, it did exclude a lot of those things, those factors I talked about, like sexism, classism, racism, xenophobia. 
One thing that I thought was interesting when reading the study and reading some articles about imposter syndrome is that it tends to be diagnosed in high achieving people. So it's the people who are absolutely crushing it, who most often feel like they don't belong, that they are an imposter, that they're going to be found out as a fake, that they don't really know what they're doing. We will also link the study in the show note. It's pretty short and I thought it was kind of easy to read um, and definitely worthwhile if you're super interested in this topic. So before we dig into kind of navigating the, these feelings of imposter syndrome, I want to talk about some of the things that honestly make us feel like imposters outside of those larger systemic issues, that systemic context, that racism, sexism, xenophobia, because a lot of us are not just feeling like imposters. We're being made to be imposters because of those larger pieces of context. So it's like, oh, you don't actually feel like you don't fit in. You're at a job where they're legitimately telling you because you are black or a woman or queer or that you don't identify with the way that they see gender, that you are a fraud. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. But overall, I think we live in a world that makes our self-worth and our value as a human being contingent on how much we're able to achieve. If you are not able to provide something tangible back to folks, then it's basically deemed that you have less value, that you are less worthy of success, that you are less eligible to be included in certain spaces because you're not doing the things that people deem as valuable. As a woman who is now 29 and is constantly reminded about my ticking biological clock, this comes up all the time. A lot of women do feel like if my body can't do certain things biologically, that decreases my value because we are constantly being fed the message that in order to be a successful, fully realized person, you have to be able to achieve these things and you have to be able to achieve them by yourself. It's very individualistic. You feel like this pressure to achieve and it's all on you to do it. It's not a group project. And if you need a group to help you do it, then you're even more worthless and less valuable than you thought you were originally. It's all bad news and it's all very, very false. These feelings also send our need to be perfect into extreme overdrive, right? When you always feel like you have to achieve and you also always feel like, I have to show that I'm worth being here because I'm secretly an imposter. You're always going to push yourself to the limit to do every single thing that you do as perfectly as possible. And it's going to drive you mad. This is a recipe to be overworked, to be burned out, to accept less than your worth because you feel like I'm just happy to be here, to procrastinate and to put the things that you really want to do on the back burner because you have to not only achieve, but achieve perfectly every single time. You're going to be weary or leery about going all in on your big risk project because if you don't do the thing that you've been dreaming about your whole life perfectly, then that's no longer even a dream that you can have anymore. Everything seems like such a risk. We're always on the cusp of losing everything because we have this crazy voice in our head telling us it has to be a 10 or nothing at all. I honestly believe that achievement alone is a very dangerous motivator. If you are always doing something because you feel like you are under extreme duress and like it's the world on your shoulders, no matter what you do, every decision you make, every document you sign, everything that you write, every photo you post, it feels like it's make or break. It makes you act in certain ways. You're always triggering that anxiety nerve in your brain. You're always like in fight or flight. And that is no way to live your everyday life. Do So of course you can't launch the business. Of course you won't call yourself a writer. Of course you won't post that cringy reel that you want to post because you feel like 
if you do it and it flops or it doesn't meet whatever unrealistic expectation you have in your mind, that that means that you as a human are now less valuable. And that is not the truth. Okay, so let's get into this study a little bit more and talk about navigating these feelings of imposter syndrome and some things we can do to combat these feelings. So the study I mentioned was conducted by psychologists Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Imes, and they're the ones who originally designed the concept of imposter syndrome. They called it imposter phenomenon. The study was conducted in 1978. They focused their study on university students and other high-achieving women, so women who were PhD candidates, grad students, women who were on their way to achieving a lot of success in their careers and academically. Their study finds that despite outstanding academic and professional accomplishments, women who experience the imposter phenomenon persist in believing that they are really not bright and have fooled anyone who thinks otherwise. That hit me right in the feels. I know that I have had moments where I have diminished things that I've done so much that even though it worked out well, even though I was being praised for my work, I felt like, oh, if only they knew that I only really did X, Y, Z. I'm not what they think I am. I just managed to skirt around the system. This comes up for me a lot as a content creator because people already view content creators as young, dumb, entitled women who spend all of their time taking selfies and posting pictures on Instagram and not actually producing anything of value. You see it all the time if you've monetized your content or monetized your brand and you're getting offers to do actual work from brands who have paid people to do similar work before in terms of their advertising and marketing budgets. And when it comes to hiring this person who they seem who they deem as just a young youth who does this for fun, you see that those numbers that they offer you are nothing like the numbers that they offer people who they actually think do this work in a way that creates value. One thing that I have learned and that I think has been helpful in combating this imposter phenomenon has been to document everything that you do and to document your process. It might be a sign that I kind of, you know, have internalized this a little too deeply, but I really do try to document everything so that not only can I repeat things when they work or like pass on knowledge to other people, but now I have a log, I have receipts for the things that I've done. So when I start talking to myself crazy, when I start telling myself that what I thought I did wasn't actually what I did or that it was a fluke or it was luck. I have an actual record to challenge that narrative with. Speaking of that narrative, that's one thing that the study mentioned a lot, that women are just much more likely to attribute any success that they have to an external force. So we think, oh, I just got lucky at that presentation or, oh, you know, it was just a great day and they were all in a good mood and that's why they were so perceptive to what I was doing. It's not mentioned in the study, but I wonder if this has anything to do with the ways that we often receive and solicit feedback. I think that we've been kind of in like a a no feedback is good feedback because that means that there were no questions and I did it fine and everyone's fine with it. But I do think that feedback is helpful in in combating that piece where you feel like everything is a fluke. Everything is just luck. I can't actually belong here. They just don't see how unqualified or underqualified I am. But when people are giving you that feedback and you actually ask them questions, so if someone tells you, oh, that was a really good job, following up and saying, oh, can you tell me what you liked about it? Could you tell me how what I did was different than things that you've seen other people do? 
oh, can you share like how you plan to use what I did in the future or how what I did directly impacted the way that you view this thing, topic, challenge, problem? Because when you go into a deeper conversation about how someone was impacted directly by something that you've done, it makes it much more difficult to just kind of brush it off as a fluke. Speaking of asking for feedback, I think we also need to get out of our heads in what it means to engage mentors and peers. We spend so much time feeling the need to network up, to look at people who we can aspire to be. Social media is aspirational. We make our career super aspirational. We make family life super aspirational. Everyone has couple goals or friendship goals, or we're always looking to aspire to do something. We're always staring up. And because of that, we feel like where we are down (laughs) is because we're not qualified to ever be up. If you're always looking at the person above you and never the person next to you, it does feel like you are by yourself and that everyone is operating at a higher level because you're not giving any value to the people who are standing in the trenches next to you. One thing that I'm super grateful for is just the friends and the network that I have, the way that we're open to sharing with one another, our experiences personally, professionally, all of the above. It's so important to talk to people who you view as on your level, talk to your friends about everything. Talk about money, talk about relationships, career, mental health, because when you're doing everything in a silo, on top of viewing every element of where you want to be as aspirational, that isolation just leaves so much room for negative mental health, for self-harm, to downgrade and judge and diminish yourself. And it's very easy to do that in silence, even when you know you have a supportive group of friends who don't want you to feel that way, but you don't know how to even tell them what you're going through because you feel like, well, I'm aspiring to be where they are. In addition to getting over this need to do everything in a silo, to not want to lean on the support of your friends and your peers, We also have to get over this idea that there are just a billion superheroes walking among us and we are the only mortal in the group. Like I mentioned, the study referenced that women always believe that when we do well, it's because of some external force. And it also says that men are much more likely to believe that their internal features, that something that's intuitive and instinctive in them enables them to achieve. They just have to activate it, right? So- They're more likely to believe like, oh, I can do this. I just have to tap that part of me where women are more likely to feel that it's not innate in them. And that if it happens, it's because of some external force. That's why the damsel in distress narrative works so well, right? Of course, there was a a young helpless woman who just needed to be saved because she could never have saved herself. And there was something already in that man that enabled him and set him up to be perfect to come in and rescue her. It's a tale as old as time. But that's just also not the case in either person. There are no people who are just placed on this earth as the end all be all and they never have to try and they're not learning anything. And they were just like they were born knowing and ready to go. Everyone is learning. Everyone has different levels of ability. There are some people who look at things that I do with content, with video, photo, editing, and they could not do that because that is just not a skill that they have taken the time to learn and master and gain knowledge of. There are people who I look at who can do things like I've always said, I am 
not a numbers girl. I do not like math. I don't want to talk about it. I just, I can't do it. And there are some people who look at an equation and they see art in it. And that's not going to be me. And that doesn't mean anything about either one of us, except for the fact that we've taken the time to tap different parts of our brains, to reach different skills within us and spend time honing those skills. Everyone who you see who is excelling in that area has taken time, energy, something to become something in that area. There are so many things throughout our childhood, our teenage years, our young adult years that help us develop those skills that make us better at some things than others. There are some people who, when they were little, the way that they grew up enabled them to be able to go on and be great public speakers because they were always really good at taking attention a certain way. And maybe you weren't, and it takes you more to to publicly speak, or it takes you more to stand in front of a camera, but that doesn't mean anything about you or the person who's really good at it. And there are probably things that you are really good at that that person really struggles with. This is all the more reason to talk as openly about the things that we are challenged in than the things that we excel in. It's natural to want to highlight the things that you do well and shine for a little bit to talk about the things that make you feel a little bit like chest puffed out. But I do think it's helpful to say, I'm really not great at these things. I am really struggling with this thing, this area. I'm not growing in it because I don't want to spend time with it. It doesn't come naturally to me. It really annoys me to be so bad at it. That's something that I have dealt with a lot. I hate starting new things because I hate to be bad at them. When I first started my YouTube channel, it was really hard for me to stay consistent because I was new to video editing And I wasn't good at it. And it does not feel good to spend time doing things that you are not good at. However, you will also never get better at them if you do not continue to put yourself in that uncomfortable situation. So if we spend more time saying, yes, I'm good at A and I'm terrible at B, what you're going to find is people who are great at B will find the people who are great at A and join forces. And neither of you are imposters. Now you are collaborators. I know I've mentioned this episode over and over in the past couple of weeks, but the episode that we did this season with Stephanie Harrison of The New Happy Co. talks so much about the need to be less individualistic, to focus on how your gift benefits only you and how everything has to be done in a silo and think more about community and how we can do things to benefit the whole and how we can become more of ourselves when we're always working in a group for the group instead of by ourselves for ourselves. It's much harder to feel like an imposter when you actually feel like you are contributing something. And if you are constantly working in a silo, it's very easy to feel like you haven't contributed much. And then when you go to the group, you probably do feel a little fraudulent because you haven't been in this group setting before. And now you feel like people are counting on you and you don't know if you can deliver, even though you've delivered over and over and over. I don't want this episode to be too ranty and I don't want to go on too long, but I just felt so passionate about digging into this issue a little bit more. I'm sure we'll end up talking more about this because it is an ongoing thing, but I wanted to leave you with a couple of ways that you can navigate this and combat it, especially if it's something that's stopping you from doing the things that have really been on your heart and mind to do. The first thing that you need to do is challenge your negative self-talk as often as you possibly can. That voice that's telling you that you don't belong, that you're going to be found out, that people don't actually know the truth about you, that they don't know that everything that you've done is just dumb luck and not hard work, education, skill, talent, and ability. You have to challenge that voice. Whatever that voice is saying, 
you need to combat it with the opposite narrative. And I think one thing that is helpful to do that is to, like I mentioned earlier, document, celebrate, and acknowledge your accomplishments. So when your voice is telling you that you're never going to be able to launch that account or start that business, you should be referencing things that you've already done that show that you have a proven track record of being someone who can do things, right? Like, I've already done this and I did this. I graduated this. I started this. I spoke to this person. Have that as the soundtrack playing in the background so that when that negative self-talk starts to blast through your ears, you have a message to challenge it with. Also remember that no one is perfect and striving for perfection is not going to get you where you think it's going to get you. You're always going to be burned out. You're not going to get things done. You're always going to be playing catch up most times done is better than perfect. And there's always room to iterate. You can always edit. You can always revise. No one is telling you that your draft one has to be a masterpiece because no one can produce a masterpiece on draft one for the most part. Also, make sure you're talking to your peers, not just your mentors. Be honest about where you think that you are achieving and be honest about where you're struggling. You can ask for help when it comes to things that you are feeling like you're lacking in. And you can also celebrate the accomplishments that you're having and have someone to remind you that you're out here doing it because most of the times you are out here doing it. And most importantly, remember that self-doubt is normal. If you are doubting yourself, if you're feeling like you don't know that you're doing it right, that means that you're at least in the game, right? No one on the sidelines is wondering if they're playing well because they're not playing the game. It doesn't make you a fraud. And that feeling is not the final feeling. That's all I have for you guys this week. I hope this episode was helpful. I hope that if you've been feeling these things, that you feel less alone in feeling them and that you maybe have some tools now to combat those feelings. So thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of Thank You For Asking. As always, you can let me know your thoughts on the episode, ask a question or make a future request for episode topics at tyfapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the pod at TYFA Podcast on Instagram and visit us online at TYFAPodcast.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find us and share thank you for asking with a friend or 10 friends. Thank you for asking as a production of Read More Media. I'm your host, Amber Burns, and you can find me online at By Amber Burns. Have an amazing rest of your week, and I will talk to you next Thursday.